Good morning and welcome to another episode of Injecting the Tea. My name is Karen. And I'm Natalie. So how's everybody doing? How's your weekend going, Natalie? It's going good so far. Just had a very nice morning outside because it's not super cold. It was actually a really nice morning with sipping my coffee. Like I can't complain. Yeah, can't complain. I mean, what about you? Of, uh, you know, it looks kind of gloomy outside. It's not so sunny outside. It's no, ki- yes. I kind of like that. I don't know. I kind of vibe with that, especially no. for like a study day. You know what I mean? Oh no, like no a- gloomy, no <laughs> gloomy. <laughs> I think it's supposed. I think the sun's supposed to come out later today, like one o'clock. So let's let's hope for that. <laughs> oh, well, you weatherman now? <laughs> <laughs> My phone is the weatherman. <laughs> yeah, I see that. I mean, it is it is good study mode. I have to, I do have to say that if you want your cup of coffee, which yes. would probably be me. I mean, everybody yeah. still knows that I'm still <laughs> studying for my board, so right. I'm in that. I, I am in that study mode, and I am constantly studying, studying, studying. Where I'm like, girls, sooner than you think. You oh, not yeah. be in this mood. Oh, and not God. be in this mode at all. I know, but we're constantly learning every day, so that's right. definitely a good thing. But the sun can do us no harm, or <laughs> can do us harm. We think that's that true. it's we think that it's good for us, but you know, we were talking about vitamin D and right. stuff like that. So tell us your little story about the vitamin D. Oh my gosh! So first of all, I haven't been to pr- like a primary care doctor in a long time so shame on me go get checked out <laughs> um and i've come to find out that i am vitamin d deficient and i would always complain to karen i'm like how are people vitamin d deficient in florida and i'm like oh time to be quiet because i am now part of the club <laughs> <laughs> yep part of the vitamin d deficiency club right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're all we all think that because we live in a sunny state right we are automatically you were automatically protected with the sun that is Mm -hmm. so not true guys so not true we are not protected you know with these beautiful rays of the sun right it's literally not true and especially (laughs) if you're living in the cold states of new york colorado right wherever those alaska wherever those cold states are you have to take your vitamin d Yes, that's you true. must take those vitamin D because you have no choice. You have no choice. <laughs> have no choice. <laughs> like, at all. <laughs> nope, not at all. Because your levels are going to come back super low and that's it. You're done. Exactly. You're going to have all this fatigue. You're tired. You're cranky. Yes. You're moving. And you really feel a difference. Like you really oh do. Oh my God. Yes. It's definitely. incredible how being deficient in something that you might think is not super significant, you really feel a difference in the oh my fatigue God. level. You do the same thing every day, and some days you're like, I literally cannot even open my eyes. (laughs) You know what? It's so true. You know, I have, you know, a little bit of thing about me. I have, you know, B12 deficiency, and then when I feel my levels are low. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, hello. My twins. (laughs) (laughs) when I have that you know when I feel a little punky like I know that I have to get my shot you know like I have to you know like I need my momentum going so exactly your body is so good at telling you yeah listen to your body listen to your body you know women should be taking their vitamins daily men too but women know that as you progress in age your hormones everything changes your body changes and right. we should really be taking our multivitamins every day, your vitamin yes. C, your vitamin D. And right. let's just take care of our bodies. You know, our, yes. bodies, our bodies tell us. 
Exactly. And just a reminder for everyone to get checked out at primary care doctor <laughs> or, you know, women's health or whatever, but get yourself checked because luckily nothing was super serious, but, you know, just make sure that you're all right. And yeah. let your body tell you everything you need to know. Don't yeah. disregard what it's telling you. Yeah. You know, when you feel different. Yeah, definitely. And and not for nothing, but, you know, all jokes aside, but if you're... <laughs> If your vitamin D falls deficiently low, that can really cause, you know, like major issues and serious issues. And you don't want to do that. You definitely don't want to go into problems like that. Um, It's really not worth it for a preventative, you know, nature. You know, you want to make sure you have everything in place so that you don't have any difficulties for something that can be easily fixed. The compromise for other organs. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, Today, we wanted to talk about soap notes and, you know, documentation. We had put a poll out there. Some people verbally um, messaged me or some people actually just verbally said to me, oh, just talk about it, you know, well. Right. <laughs> uh, like, okay. I mean, okay, we'll talk about it. We would really like for you to just DM, DM us because yeah. if you want a personal opinion or if you want a suggestion on what we should talk about just dm us don't right. be or ashamed guys, to dm us or yeah. yeah i mean we're here to help you guys if you need a topic that you'd like us for to sure. go over you know whatever for you sure. don't understand or what you want to elaborate on that's what we're here for yeah and eventually we are going to just go into topics and we'll talk about hypertension or eventually right. we'll talk about uh, appendicitis or any any subjects will be eventually going into those kind of topics we right. just want to start off with topics that usually students have questions about like what we had questions about when we were in school because I feel like that's important when we were in school we really didn't have anybody to kind of turn to or podcasts to listen to I mean granted there there may be a gazillion out there to be honest with you there are nice accessible podcasts out there but we are just doing our own thing and right. making it accessible and you may or may not listen we would appreciate if you do that right would be amazing. Yeah, please do please yes. do but um <laughs> like i said um one of my uh colleagues one of my peers whatever it may be she you know asked me a question about like she actually commented sorry she said you know soaps is something that we had a hard time with in school and i said yeah definitely and and maybe that's something that Natalie and I will discuss and we want to talk about like giving a a little example of how we you know did our soaps in school and maybe that'll help somebody and if you have a particular soap that you're struggling with whether it's peds uh woman's health primary health you can let us know and and we'll do the best we can to help you um so with that being said Natalie is going to start off with, you know, certain parts of the soap note and we are going to go back and forth on the soap note. Right. So we're just going to basically go over a general soap note, what goes where, what information you need. And um, after we put up this podcast, we'll be putting up an example soap note onto our Instagram, injecting the tea. I'm not sure if I'm going to put like a Google Doc link or whatever, but I'll make sure that it's available so you guys can see an example. And it's basically just a visualization of what we're going to be talking about because some people are visual learners, um, but we wanted to have that option up there. So we're just going to go throughout the whole soap note. So 
to start off with is the S, which is subjective information. So that's basically anything that the patient is telling you. It has nothing to do with what you observe on the patient. So the first thing you need is called a CC or a cheap complaint. And basically that's anything that the patient comes in complaining about and you always want to write it in the terms and vocabulary that your patient uses. So that's just, for example, I'm here for my annual exam, but I also think I'm having an interstitial um, cystitis flare-up. So whatever the patient says that they're there for, that's going to be the chief complaint. So going off the chief complaint is the HPI or history of present illness. So basically for that, we use what is called an old cards mnemonic just to help you remember what types of questions to ask. So O is for onset, L location, D duration, C characteristics, A aggravating factors, R relieving factors, T is going to be um, timing, and S is the severity. So basically onset, when did the symptoms begin? Two weeks, two days ago, whatever. Where's the location of the symptoms? If you have pain, is it on your right knee, left knee, whatever. Duration, how long have you been feeling those symptoms for? Characteristics, like if you have pain, is it a sharp pain? Is it a dull pain? That type of thing. Aggravating factors would be, is there anything that you do that makes those symptoms worse? And then relieving factors would be anything that you do that makes your symptoms better or any medication that makes your symptoms better. T for timing, do you notice these symptoms more in the morning or in the afternoon? And then for, excuse me, S for severity, it's kind of like if you have pain on a scale from one to 10, one being the, you know, no pain, 10 being the worst pain you've ever felt, where are you on that spectrum? Or you could also say, one to 10 of how severity are those symptoms affecting your life. One, it's not really affecting your life very much or 10, it's affecting your life very much. So this is just kind of an HPI is going into more detail based off the chief complaint, which is more of a precise one sentence um, piece of information that your patient is telling you. And then the HPI just kind of dives deep, you know, deeper into it. So Karen's gonna go ahead and take over the medications. Yes. And for my, and just to add a little bit to what uh, Natalie had said, for my HPI, I personally wanted to, you don't have to, for my HPI at the end of the old cards after the S, I wanted to add in a little bit of the complaint. Some instructors like it. Some are like, oh, you can keep it basic, but you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Like if you want, <laughs> if you want a little bit of points there, right? Just to make it seem like you know what's going on with your patient. I would add just a little bit of the chief complaint because yes, you want to put in, I'm having, you know, yes, that is part of your chief complaint. I'm having my annual, but I also think I'm having uh, interstitial cystitis flare-up because that's the patient's complaint, but then you'll put down that patient presents today for an annual exam. She thinks she's having a flare up. Um, she also is complaining of frequency burning, discharge, whatever she's presenting there for. But if you do that, make sure that that also reflects on wherever you're putting it in your ROS mm-hmm. and in your notes moving forward. So just, just a hint there. Um, you're going to go into your medications. When you do your medications, you're going to list the name of your medication, the dose, the frequency, the route, and the reason that they're taking these meds. Write um, the medication the same way that you would write it on a prescription. If you write down Tylenol, 650 milligrams, PO, BID, 
or no PO Q for six four to six hours PRN. You're not gonna write down Tylenol six fifty PO. Right. I mean, how how do you want them to take that? Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be precise on how you're writing your medications. You know, Allegra, how often? You know, how do you want them to take that? And always write your route. I mean, yes, majority of the time you think that, you know, Tylenol is PO, but you know what? Sometimes people are vomiting, mm-hmm. you know, so careful, you know, with children too. Maybe they don't tolerate it PO. Maybe it's better for them to take the rectal. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to know how you're going to write things and be precise on how you write them. Um, allergies is something also, I mean, you can put it anywhere you want on the chart. I think you don't really have to be particular. They want that in the past medical history, but allergies are important. We're going to go into past medical history. You want to list the year of the diagnosis. Instructors do want to see that. They want to see the diagno- when, the, when they were diagnosed. So if they were diagnosed with asthma in 2018, if they were diagnosed um, with COPD. Um, so you're going to list their past medical history all in that little insert right there of your paper. Your allergies. Document what kind of reaction they had. If they had a rash, if they had hives, if they had little welts, please know the difference between an allergic reaction and an intolerance. Yes. So if a patient said to you that, <laughs> oh my God, you're laughing because you know that this has happened. I mean, it's happened yes. so much. I it mean, has. It has. Not to like, <laughs> not to intrude on your section, but like it really, it, I mean, and it's, it's completely understandable because I feel like I was the same way, but I mean, you know, now like going through school, the difference between an allergic, like a serious allergic reaction to a medication versus just a side effect. Yeah. And you know, know, it it is important because I feel, and just credit to some patients and especially elderly, they really don't know too much. New parents as well, respectfully so to new parents and to the elderly. I would say that. And the middle adults, to everybody in general, Mm -hmm. education is key. Education is key. Yes, it really you is. You have to be able to educate your patients. A lot of people get the inserts from the pharmacy and they throw them away. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to read that because amoxicillin, antibiotics, and, and I give the example of amoxicillin or augmentin is a big one. Right. These antibiotics in general will cause a GI upset or diarrhea. Mm-hmm. That is not an allergic reaction. It's an intolerance to those kind of medications. You're introducing all these new medications to your body, antibiotics to your body. And if you've never had them before, it's going to cause that kind of reaction. It's important to tell your patients to take it with food. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying go to Hungry Howie's and have a big (laughs) meal. (laughs) Okay. I'm not saying go to, uh, what is it, Checkers or Cheddars or whatever the name is, and go have a big meal. But it's nice to take it with a cracker or a piece of toast something that's very subtle because you're mm-hmm. introducing your stomach slowly to an antibiotic and to probably a disease that you, a disease process that you've had that's not settling well with you so right. you have to be cognitive 
you know, that these medications that you're introducing to your body are not, you know, give it time to work. But an allergic reaction, if you're having hives, difficulty breathing, just explain to the patient the difference between the both. So that way, and what I find to be important as well that I've been telling my patients, if you have an allergic reaction that is causing difficulty breathing, airway compromise, you know, that chest pain, that you cannot have this medication, that you've been in the hospital and you've had to receive, you know, an epi, steroids or whatever the case may be, it is important for you. I suggest that you carry a card. Mm -hmm. I suggest that you definitely make a bracelet. Make a bracelet and carry a bracelet around you or a necklace so that way, God forbid, you're ever out there and something happens that requires for anybody to know that you're allergic. I don't care if it's peanuts or strawberries. Right. Because that's very, very important. That's a great idea, yeah. Yeah. It's extremely important. Extremely Extremely. important. Yes, very, very important. Another thing you want to list is uh, chronic illnesses, um, anything like your diverticulitis, your Crohn's, ulcerative colitis. Let your doctor know of those illnesses. Let your provider know of uh, major traumas. You've had any motor vehicle accidents that have caused uh, TBIs or anything underlying with that recently that that has happened any hospitalizations or surgeries if you've had any appies uh coles if you've had any procedures done any recent implants um also with family histories you want to list any immediate family members so father uh, also with that sorry you want to add their ages disease if they're alive if they're deceased you want to do three generations so if it's your father for example you want to do father 71 COPD alive you want to do mother 60 hypertension asthma PAD cholesterol hey knock yourself out you know (laughs) 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 whatever keep it going I don't care you know I think that three or four is more than enough. I think your instructor gets the gist of how many diseases, you know, they've had. Obviously, do the most important ones, especially if you're starting to present with hypertension. It's important to let your provider know, hey, my mother has a history of hypertension. She has a history of an MI at the age of 65. You also want to put that there. Mother, MI, 2014, cardiac stents, three, you know, that's important information. And then, you know, grandmother, a maternal grandfather, 85, deceased, colon CA. You get the gist. Mm-hmm. And then you go into social history, which is going to be Natalie. So for social history, some things that we probably would ask our education level, just so not again, like I know social history can kind of feel like we're being intrusive, but we need to know kind of your baseline. So education levels, just so we can make sure that we're explaining things to everyone on a, or in a way that everybody can understand. Um, also for occupational history, there's a lot of occupational hazards that can cause you to have certain conditions. So for example, if you're a chef and you're using your wrists a lot, maybe you have carpal tunnel, it could be due to that to your job and not necessarily something else um your current living situation just want to make sure that you feel safe in your home that there's anything that we need to do to intervene to help with your safety uh let's see what else so also your substance abuse so if you are um drinking excessive alcohol or if you're vaping or smoking marijuana um tobacco all that stuff we need to know your baseline 
And let's see what else. Oh, for nutrition, we want to make sure that we have a general idea of what your eating habits are, especially if you're a diabetic, because we need to make sure if we need to get a nutritionist in or, you know, intervene in some sort of way, because obviously your eating habits are having a lot to do with certain conditions that can be preventable. So that's something that we really need to know. And also your sleep patterns to see that you're getting an excess amount of sleep. Um, and that it's not due to you're having sleep issues due to like sleep apnea or something like that. So that's pretty much the basic of all of that. And then you go into your uh, ROS or your review of systems. So for that, again, this is everything that the patient is telling you. It's not anything that you are observing on the patient. So these are questions that you ask that they will tell you. So first of all, you always want to make sure that you get a general survey, that you always get a respiratory and a cardiovascular survey every single visit, no matter what, because those are life-threatening um, situations if you see something negative so or positive, excuse me. So for a general, you can want to ask if they have any fever, any chills, any fatigue, any headaches, stuff like that. For skin, you want to ask if they have any moles or any scars. You get the gist of it. Eyes, see, do you have any change in vision? Do you have any eye pain? Anything like that. Ears, make sure they don't have any um, decreased hearing loss or anything. They feel like their ears are like full or, you know, ask about that. Nose, mouth, throat, do you have any congestion? Anything like that. Breast, ask if they've if they do breast exams regularly, if they have any lumps or bones that they felt. And then for heme, limb, for endo, ask about any abnormal bruising or bleeding, any excessive urination, hunger, or thirst. So then Karen will take along the rest of them. Yes, along with uh, what Natalie had said, obviously this is the organizational. When you see it on your paper, we're just taking half and half. And like she had said, you definitely want to make sure that when you do your ROS, you are not missing cardio and respiratory because it is absolutely a requirement if you do not do those parts i don't know about your instructor but they will take points off they oh, will yeah. absolutely absolutely take points off and you don't want to miss points because of that and it's just good practice anyway it is good practice and i only tell you that because i think maybe inadvertently on one paper forgot to put something about heart sounds or I documented uh, it wrong and I lost points on that and I said mm -hmm. how could I have done something so stupid no, no, on, no. On, on my behalf you know so just uh, just a heads up do not do not look over that paper repeatedly if you need to right. so cardiovascular you definitely don't want to use words as no positive for negative for you want to use denies admits complains reports denies chest pain or palpitation like edema lightheadedness or you're going to do the opposite reports chest pain reports palpitations respiratory denies cough shortness of breath dyspnea denies wheezing orthopnea vice versa gi denies nausea vomiting denies abdominal pain or reports abdominal pain uh, gi and gynecological reports dysuria, reports frequency, reports vaginal itching. Musculoskeletal, it has nothing to do with the patient's exam. For example, you can always write deferred. Neurological, denies headache, numbness, denies dizziness. And psychiatric, denies any anxiety or depression, denies any suicidal, homicidal ideation. For the objective portion of the paper, 
this is where you document all the physical exam findings. Do not use the word normal. Do not <laughs> use the word normal. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> or within normal limits, WNL, don't do it. Yes. Did I say do not use the word normal? <laughs> Just say it a couple more times. Just a couple of more times. And I will tell you why. Because I use the word normal. And my instructor was like, Karen, there is no word normal. Because like, oh. how can you define what normal is? That's true. And that that is absolutely true. That's you very can't fair. you cannot define what normal is. So if you definitely going to include, obviously start off with your vital signs and you're always going to include their BMI, always include their BMI and um, all this objective. You're going to start off with their general appearance. Are they well developed, well nourished? If they are obese, don't be afraid of putting obese because in their BMI, it's going to say that. Mm -hmm. So no acute distress or if they are in distress if they're malnourished you're gonna put malnourished you have to put what you see Mm -hmm. um and their skin normal turgor warm and dry no suspicious lesions or rashes skin intact and they're h-e-e-n-t in this case it was deferred whatever you see you um and if it's in their head you see any kind of penis in their scalp put that in their ears if you see any if their tympanic membrane is red you put that their nose if the turbinates are not clear and they have any kind of discharge put that mm-hmm. <laughs> so right i mean if they yeah. have positive three in their throat and they have the um cobblestone you put yep. that i mean there's stuff you processing you put that but in this case it's deferred uh cardiovascular this is the this is the important part that i was telling you the cardiovascular and the rest the respiratory when you're listening to their heart sounds it's regular s1 and s2 sounds are audible regular s1 s2 audible without murmurs or ectopy my instructor wanted to see that no heaves or thrills no gross clubbing on upper lower extremity cyanosis or edema and the respiratory lung sounds clear to auscultation bilaterally no crackles or ronchi symmetrical lung expansion observed observed upon inspiration and the cardio and respiratory she wanted to see that so whether you didn't hear anything abnormal or whether you heard something it, it needed to be documented um the gi no more active bowel sounds present in all four quads abdomen soft non-tender nor organomegaly masses or hernias um the breasts bilateral no tenderness skin changes abnormal nipple secretions or masses palpable and symmetric and nipple appearance right breast normal left breast abnormal if they're abnormal and if you see any um dimpling if you see any discharge obviously you're going to put right breast nipple discharge left breast nipple denting or uh, or um right breast what is it nodule you're going to document that so wherever you feel like the exam is abnormal you're going to document that and then natalie will take over from there 
Okay, so then after that, it shows the urinary, so you could document like the labia majora, like there were erythema, excoriation, discoloration um, for like the cervix, no lesions, discharge, bleeding, etc. So you just go on from there, musculoskeletal, it could be deferred, or you can just say, I don't feel any crepit or no crepitus upon exam, no warmth, and just check range of motion and their strength of their um, muscles. For neurological, you could see if there's any positive Romberg sign or just see if they have any tremors that's either uh, resting or with movement. Um, and then for psychiatric that they have or don't have any speech. Um, oh, excuse me. Yeah, speech is clear and concise. You want that. And then so that would pretty much be the whole ROS. And then but also in the objective portion, you want to put lab diagnostics. So for this, this is not lab results. These are only labs that you order for this particular visit for whatever reason. So, of course, when you order labs, you need to have diagnosis codes to support why you're ordering said lab. So whatever you find on exam or whatever they tell you, those are gonna be the lab diagnostics that you order. And again, it's not results. And that's gonna be the same thing for any di special diagnostics, like any imaging, like any MRI, CT scans, ultrasounds, anything like that. Whatever you find upon exam or whatever they tell you, those are what you're going to order, but again, not the results. So that's pretty much the whole portion of the objective. So now, excuse me, we're moving on to assessment. So basically that's going to be all of the diagnoses. So if you have a patient that is a new patient, what I was taught to do is that you write or document every single diagnosis that they tell you. And then obviously whatever you find upon exam that you're diagnosing them with for the first visit. And you always, always, always include BMI in every single visit. Um, I believe it's more for a billing purposes, but you always want to document them. And then of course, when your patient comes for follow-ups, you're only going to diagnose, I mean, excuse me, you're not only going to document the diagnoses for that particular visit. You don't have to re-document uh, everything over again. So for the assessment, for example, like a UTI, the ICD code, ICD-10 code is N39.0, pyelonephritis is ICD-10 code N10, and so on and so forth. So you always want to make sure in your documentation for school that you write down what the diagnoses are as well as their ICD-10 code. But then obviously when you're working with patients in the EMR, they're probably already going to pop up on the side from there. Um, but Karen, do you want to take away the rest of that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Whatever you pick for your differentials, it's just the differentials to whatever you found in that patient, like Natalie said. Our instructor wanted us to pick three at most. So if this patient, for example, this patient was having a flare-up for her interstitial cystitis, they basically want to know with the differential what else could be going on with her. Mm -hmm. What else could be happening with her? So could it be a UTI? Could it be pylo? Could it be an STD? We don't know that. You know, obviously there are other things that need to be done. Um, maybe her urine, maybe her culture and sensitivity. We don't know that. So that's why the differential diagnoses are. It could be PID, who knows? So right. your differential di diagnoses are put there. You pick two, you pick three, you pick one. Then you move forward with your, um, you end up picking, I think it was two. So then you move forward with your CPT codes, which are your visits. How long was the visit? Your general one is 99212, 99213. If your patient was there for, did it take, was it a repeat visit, a follow-up visit? Was this an established patient who's already been in the office? 
So is it a new patient? There are different codes that you're going to pick for that patient. It could be a 30-minute visit, a 15-minute visit, a 45-minute visit. You will get a list of codes. And that is difficult in its own when you're in the field and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to pick. But I promise you, if you get an index card or if you get a piece of paper in your notepad, just write down the codes that you're going to use with frequency. You will refer back to those codes you need to know those codes to refer yes. back to from the time that you start clinical to the end of your clinical, you're probably going to use at least, I'm going to say six of those codes yeah. because they're going to be different in primary women's health, peds, and whatever your specialty is. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn how to use different codes because you can have a follow-up visit and that's a 99212. It's going to be no more than 15 minutes. Right. So and a 99396 is a comprehensive medical exam and an established patient that's 40 to 64 years old this patient was 45 so there's different codes for different things um then you're going to go into the plan the plan is just a sop soap we did the s the o the a and now we're going to plan what we're going to do for this patient towards the end of her visit Is this patient gonna need further testing? Are we sending her for labs? Are we sending her for x-rays? Are we sending her to do an ultrasound, a CAT scan? Is she gonna need medications? What are we gonna give her? Like what meds are we gonna give her? So make sure when you write that prescription, she, the patient is going to get um, vaginal cream. Make sure that you write down how often you want her to get it, the route, make sure that she understands if she's a if she's an older person, younger person, maybe she's never had creams before. Make sure that she doesn't have allergies. Tell her that um, she can insert at night. So just give her directions that she's going to understand. Non-medication treatments. Um, tell her that um, maybe she likes to use compresses. I'm not sure. So mm-hmm. I mean, tell her that she eats certain kind of foods. Also, patient education. That also flows into patient education. Drinking plenty of fluids. Um, You probably have, what do I want to call that? Um, Packets at your workplace that you Mm. can give to the patient. I also um, told my patient if there was a particular, what do you want to call it? A particular way like uh, when it came not a particular way but if there's a particular language that the patient speaks so right. the, you, you you have to know if the patient speaks creole if she speaks spanish please remember that not all patients speak english right <laughs> you you, you right. don't exactly. you don't want to you don't want to assume that the patient speaks english and you just hand them discharge instructions but also too just don't assume that they don't speak english either because then that's yeah. great Ask yeah. them what they prefer. Some people speak multiple languages, but they prefer to yes. read in a specific language. Absolutely. Because I've had some people, they're like, oh, you speak only Spanish. And they're like, no, I speak English. Yes. Don't, don't do that. That's yes. And what, I, and what I was trying to say, what came back to me <laughs> is that we had a pad. There was a pad that we use that had like um, language, like a oh, language nice. pad. And yeah. some, some patients like to use the language pad because they prefer, that's a preference for them right. because they had the translator there. 
for them to help them translate. So you can assume that they want the discharge papers, but ask them what their preference is. Right. Because some some patients, yeah, they'll take the papers, but it's what their preference is. Exactly. You know, it's, I know, you know, we may think that, oh, we're catering, but guess what? At the end of the day, you do have to make sure that that patient understands what the discharge instructions are because they can say you never explained it to me so you have to make sure that they understand their discharge instructions um also remember that there are patients that are deaf that are mute and make sure that the translators are available from the time plan the care from the time that they come it is not easy to get translators that are for the deaf mute those pay those translators take a long time to be accessible for those patients right um follow-up is important do you want your patients to follow up in two weeks do you want them to follow up in two months six months a year if they're following up in three months because they had lab work, you want them to do repeat lab work, make sure, just be cognitive, have them do the lab work before they come back to you, not just come back to the lab work done. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> let's plan accordingly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's only it's only fair to the patient. They're like, oh, but you didn't tell me to have lab work done. Which oh, well, fair. you should have known. I mean, come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let's let's be realistic. And right. then the most important thing is referrals. Find out of what kind of insurance your patient has. You may think it's not your job, but it is your job. You have to know what kind of insurance your patient has. So does the insurance, I don't know how the insurance works around here because I'm a New Yorker. So some patients say that they don't need a referral and some patients say they do need a referral. I, think it I guess I guess it it depends depends on what kind of insurance you have and make sure that your patient gets the right referral for the right specialty and that they are um, directed to the right, you know, doctor for the right thing. You know, you don't want to send the wrong (laughs) referral. You know, the patient needs to go to a nephrologist and you send them to the optometrist. I mean, do the right thing. uh, They're like, what is this for? Like, what are you doing here today? Right. Listen, it's happened before. Yep. It's happened before when I was in a rotation, it happened before. And the patient, the provider was like, oh, you weren't supposed to go there. And embarrassing, (laughs) embarrassingly so, (laughs) I hate to say it. They were like, oh my God, I wrote the wrong. Well, you know what? It's happened before. So please pay attention to that. You know, don't only, uh, what I'm trying to say is don't only count on that provider. Right. Just look at the prescription and you it's okay for you to tell the provider, oh, the patient just wants to know, is this where they're going? Because sure. that way the provider will look at that script and be like, oh, no, 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 it's not optometry. Right. You know, I mean. It saves a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, don't feel bad if you make a mistake, but correct it and acknowledge yeah, it. You, so you that can, it doesn't become further. For and sure. Coming back, say, I went to the optometrist and you're yes. like, oh, what? Yeah, because they don't know. The patients right. don't know. Even though right. they're coming there for a certain thing, you'd be like, oh my God, that patient's, you know, a dumb dumb. No, they're not. No. You know, they, you're, no. they're only, they're trusting you. Yes. They're trusting you. So it's okay. It's our job to as a, as a student, if you're calling that out, that's fine. That's right. fine. So, and Nothing then the last thing is, you know, to when to seek emergency care, honey bunny, if you're having an <laughs> asthma attack, <laughs> do not come to me if you're right. gasping at the straw. Okay. <laughs> I would literally 
personally prefer Try for you, you to go to the emergency room and yes. seek emergency care. Yes. Okay. If you're following up with me for your um, asthma needs and you're telling me that you're doing good, your medication's working. Perfect. I love right. that. That's amazing. You're a rock star. But guess what? If you're not breathing <laughs> and you had to crawl on the floor to get to the phone to come to me, you don't right. belong in my office. You have no. to go to the emergency room and no. seek emergency attention and call exactly. 911. Come and, visit afterwards. Yeah, come visit afterwards. But don't come here first. I'd be more than happy to see you. <laughs> but And then the evaluation and the patient encounter. Document, you know, your level of interaction with your patient and talk about your experience. What was your weakness, your strength, your reflection, and, you know, how you felt about your clinical experience. That's going to be expected if your instructor requires of that. Um, mine did on all my soap notes. Maybe yours will or yours won't. Maybe they'll require it at the end. But mine wanted to know on each soap note that I did for my patient how my... Um, patient encounter was mm -hmm. with my patients and then your references you're gonna need at least mine required three references you're gonna need at least three references for your soap note um right. what else do you think that um so there's a couple things that i wanted to address with the plan so this is kind of less about school and more about when you're in clinical when you are seeing a patient the first thing that i did was go to the chart from the previous visit and look at the plan people kind of <laughs> overlook the plan because it seems to be like the most like not paid attention to but that's the most important thing that you have because the plan tells exactly what's gonna happen what they did and exactly what the next visit is for so if i'm seeing the same patient over and over again i'm gonna already know but you have to assume that the other provider that sees the patient next has no idea what you're thinking. So you need to be very detailed of what you say on the plan. So for example, for the medication, like Karen said, write down what medication they're taking, what for, but you always wanna say, just from experience for me, did you send the medication through the EMR or did you give them a written prescription? Because some patients might say, oh, you never gave me the medication. And then you documented, yes, I gave it to you in a written prescription. Uh, documenting, a lot of it obviously has to do with documenting the information for your patient, but it also saves your butt in a way. So if someone says that, oh, you never gave me the prescription, no, 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 I documented that I did. So that's something to point out. Another thing is for follow-up, like parents said, follow-up in two weeks, one month, whatever. Always want to put what they're following up for. You know, if they're here for lab results, if they're here for imaging results, because when we as providers are looking to see what you're here for for the day, oh, they're here for lab results or imaging. We want to make sure that it's in the chart so that we can actually go over it, because if it's not there, there's no reason to talk to you that day in terms of what the visit is for. So we could Definitely. always reschedule. So just make sure that you're very, very detailed with that. Um, the EMR system I use, we were able to like copy and paste the assessment part, which is all the diagnoses and put it in the plan. And then we would just write for each diagnosis what our plan was. Um, and then sometimes too, you could say what your plan of care is. And then you could also say, if this plan of care doesn't work, let's try X, Y, Z. So the next person that sees can be like, oh, okay, I see that you were trying this, did it work or not? And then go from there and they say, oh, okay, well they 
said that we're going to do this plan afterward. So it not only helps yourself, but it helps the next person. And I remember my preceptor always said, don't hide secrets. Like you know all this information, but you need to write it on the chart. The chart is the most important place yeah. for this information to go so that the next provider can see what your plan of care was and what they should do from there. So don't overlook the plan because it's like the smallest portion. Yeah, I it, definitely agree because I definitely remember when we were in clinical together, mm-hmm. when you when you used to see patients and if they followed up and I saw them after you and I would pick up patients and they were seeing, and I was seeing them, if right. they would do a follow-up, I would see a note from you right. on what you would tell them to do. And if they followed up, I'm like, okay, Natalie saw them. So it right. was a good way of being able to see what your plan of care was and then right. how I would go with my plan of care so that's definitely a good idea just to put that little prompt right just to be extra detailed yeah for sure there's nothing wrong with that yeah definitely nothing wrong with that so So i I like the way yeah i think i like the way we just mapped out that whole soap it's like a little mini version of what i think uh i call it mini because obviously it's not detailed to a specific No, but it's definitely a great gist of what should be on there, like a quick synopsis. And I think when we put the actual soap note on Instagram so people can actually take time and see it, they can probably, something that you might want to do as a listener is to have the um, soap note in front of you while also re-listening to this podcast so that you can kind of go through what we're saying. So if you're a visual and auditory learner, you might grasp it more, you know, quickly. Yeah. So... However you learn best. Yes. And like, you know, like we said, if you want a specific or assistance with a specific, we can definitely help you Mm -hmm. try to, you know, navigate your way through putting one together and just looking at what you're missing or what you should include. And we have no problems in helping you with like, you should put this here or you should include this here or this looks good or that's what we're here for. We can definitely help you with that. Um, It's difficult. It's not easy doing soap notes. I had four do. I had to do maybe four and when I started doing clinicals. For each clinical? Um, each, for each clinical. And that oh, was wow. tough. That's tough. And these, it's, it's very specific. <laughs> it's very specific. So, and for women's health, for peds, for primary, it's very tough. In addition to that, I had to do Typhon logs. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very hard. And I know anybody that's listening to this that knows about Typhon logs, it's very, <laughs> very hard. Yeah, because like every that. every week you had to put your Typhon logs in and you have seven days. You have a window. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Yes. Oh so gosh. I the only suggestion that I can give is once you get your template to do your um, soap note, just stick with that template. Unless, right. it, unless it's not hard. Do not make it hard for yourself. Unless the patient presents with symptoms that are positive or symptoms that are abnormal, mm-hmm. everything should be cookie cutter. Right. Yes. Yeah. The only thing that should be different is your chief complaint and the positive symptoms. Right. And then if That's you it. do the same routine over and over, you'll get it quickly. You'll get and it. And then you'll have a routine. Don't yes. try to do different things different times. Use, like yes. Karen said, use the same template. And obviously, depending on the patient, the information changes, but not the way you ask things, not the way you go about your day. 
it's going to be the same. And to be honest with you, what I found to be the most tedious part of it is the medications. When you when yeah. you have your patients that have 50,000 medications, right. yes. and honestly, guys, a, a vitamin C <laughs> and a vitamin D, I mean, right. you really need to include it in there. It's just a multivitamin. Right. I, I need, I need, if I was an instructor, I was an instructor, um, when I lived in New York and I did medical surge, I was an adjunct instructor. And when my students handed in papers to me and care plans, I was like, please just give me the pertinent, uh, pertinent medications. Right now. I'm not saying don't misquote me, right? (laughs) I'm not saying that vitamins are not important. No, no, no. But one thing they are school paper and one thing is real life. Yes, you know. but I I do want I do want to know if that patient is on Bactrim mm-hmm. and warfarin, right? Because they can't take that together, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I, I, that I want to know. So I mean, you know, you just you know, pick your battles. You know, like I, right. I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said, you know. Just follow us on Instagram. Yes, injecting the tea. Injecting the tea and leave us a message. Yes. That being said, I also wanted to mention that my girl Natalie here, (laughs) my homegirl Natalie. (laughs) My homegirl. My homegirl Natalie. I love her. (laughs) She also assists with helping and people that are new graduates or people that are going into the fields of nursing or um, in school or finishing or whatever the case may be, she can explain more about that and resumes, CVs and and helping you um, with those resumes. Natalie, if you can explain a little bit of if, if I'm saying correctly what I'm yeah. saying. No, I'd love to. So basically what I do is I help review resumes and personal statements. So that's like, you know, someone trying to get into FNP school or someone trying to get into nursing school, what have you. So what I ask is that you write your resume and or personal statement or prompt or whatever as if you were going to turn it in. And then afterward, I will go ahead and review it, give you my opinions, maybe rewrite a couple things. I cannot help anyone necessarily write their resume or personal statement because one, I don't know your story. Um, I could always give ideas of what would be important to include, but I can't sit there and go, you know, line by line and write something with you because one, I just don't have the time to do that. And two, if I took the time to like go through your whole life story, we'd be here forever. So I I ask that you write it as completed as you can and then I would step in afterward um so that's basically what I do I've helped a couple people in the past um if you go on my Instagram FNP diaries I have some student like testimonials and I do charge for this because I am still in school looking for jobs and it just takes some of my time I do enjoy it but it's not that um I just need to charge and it's not that much but it's definitely been helpful for a lot of people and I do enjoy doing it and people have said oh yeah I got into school or da 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 or whatever wonderful that's but, great so it's been really cool to like get to know people that way and you know interact with people in the field but yeah I do do that because I understand that it's hard to 
write a resume or a personal statement, especially if you don't have anyone that you know in the field. For me, I don't know anybody in the healthcare field as far as my family. So I'm kind of learning everything as I go and then having good friends like, you know, Karen and everyone, you know, all different students to help me out. Um, but I do have a couple of videos that I do um, on YouTube and one of them is how to write a resume and I go through step by step how to write one from scratch and then I have another one that talks about what to put on your resume if you feel like it's bare. So those are two good things that I would recommend that you guys watch to help you write one and then if you need further assistance I'd be happy to help. That's great. That's such a great a great tool to offer because some Thank people you. struggle with putting resumes together. I yes. know, I know I do. Because, I do too. Yeah. Oh yes, for sure. What do you because, know what is important and not to put? Yeah, I definitely, because I know that my resume, when I first started getting into the work field of nursing, my mm -hmm. resume still to today, my resume is quite long. And I think quite oh, you have a lot of experience. No, but you have tons of experience. I, I do. I'm not going to say I don't. And it's, and I only say I do. I mean, I'm not trying to be cocky or anything, but what's wrong with that? You have experience. <laughs> no, Nothing but wrong I, with that. I have 10 year experience only. I've been a nurse for 16 years. So I've worked in the emergency room. I've worked in the PACU. I've worked as an, an instructor. So I do. But at the same time, they want, they really do require you just to put like your 10 years of experience. So yeah. I kind of have to compress that. Right. So it, they and only that's want to see. Yeah, it is tough. So I can, you know, services like that do come very beneficial to try to compress your your resume and your CV because it's yeah. it's pretty tough to kind of like break that down. They only want a certain amount of years, and you. I think it's just the the middle portion of it, like your right. your whole experience. Because being a staff nurse and being a charge nurse, you know, you kind of you do have different. Yes, you're a staff nurse, but as a charge nurse, you do have more responsibility of doing other things. So, right. you know, it's kind of hard to to compress all that. You know, it's too exactly. too much. It's too much verbiage. Right. Too much word. Exactly. And I so, think also too, I mean, for someone like you that has tons of experience, I don't think it's wrong if you go over a page. But typically most resumes are stuck at a page. They just want the most important information. But sometimes people don't know what's more important than others. Uh, you know, experiences that you've had. And then I've seen like just reading some of the resumes previously that um, let's say if someone's like a sales associate, they'll go into very extreme detail of what they did as a sales associate. But for certain careers like that or jobs like that, it's kind of intuitive that the general population would know what you're doing. So just put like one good statement out there as a sales associate because it shows that you uh, enjoy customer service, you can work as a team, da da da, all of that stuff. But something that pay, you know, probably the general population does not know, go into more detail with that to help kind of concise down your resume to highlight the most important experiences. But again, if you don't know what's important, what's not, I can help you with that. I'm sure Karen can help you with that to decipher what you should be highlighting on your resume for you to stand out. Yeah, that's great. That's such great, you know, input. And I love that. And again, if anybody needs any help or any guidance with that, check out the page, check out Natalie's page, check out our page and, you know, drop us a message and um, we will definitely get back to you. Yeah, so um, I'll put a highlight for the two videos that I mentioned on our page so that definitely. people can go. 
Okay. So cool. check out the upcoming highlights that are going to be on our page, and we are looking forward to bringing some speakers on our page. We're just yes. getting some some future dates allocated onto our calendar. Yes. We do have some, like I said, some speakers coming on, some NPs, some MP friends of mine, and hopefully some some um, friends of Natalie's. Yes. To definitely. come on to our. Um, podcast to speak yeah. and tell us their experiences in FNP school, um, their experiences working. Um, um, I have a surprise guest that I really don't want to say who it is, but you know, soon, soon, hopefully, you know, hopefully I can, you know, give a little spill on that tea. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Love it. Yeah. Love so, it. you know, Good things, good things. So we're excited. I'm, I'm excited. So yes. I look forward. I like doing these podcasts every week and yes, me too. reaching out to the general public, and hopefully we can move it forward and get more people to like us and subscribe. If you guys oh, yeah. like our podcast, keep subscribing, keep listening. Yes. Tell people and, you know. Yeah, tell people you know about us, and stay tuned for the next episode. Definitely. Of injecting right. the tea. So yes. I'm Karen. You guys have a great one. And I'm Natalie. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Rock on. Yes. Bye. Bye.